On this episode of Resi Week, we talk Cedia's new marketing VP, how to work from home, as well as KBiz issues. All this and more on this episode of Resi Week. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is Resi Week, episode 263, Lead with Work From Home. Support for AV Nation is brought to you by Blackwire Designs, the go-to distributor for the CI industry with an extensive product lineup backed by unmatched sales and system support. Anytime dealers need it, even after hours or on the weekend. Welcome to this episode of our Resi Week. This is your weekly roundup of all the latest news and stories for the residential AV industry. I'm your host, Matt D. Scott for avnation.tv. And this week, I'm pleased to be joined by the one and only Mr. Jason Nod. He is the Chief Content Officer at CE Pro. How are you doing, Jason? I'm doing great, Matt. Thanks for having me. Thank you for being here, for, for, for showing up today. Um, due to uh, a couple of the guests being ill, unfortunately, hopefully they're feeling better. Uh, snowstorms and all the fun stuff. You're stuck with Jason and I uh, for most of the show today. I got something special for you all uh, at the end, but uh, really, we're, we're it's just Jason and I. We're just hanging out. So, Jason, my friend, let's uh, let's kick this off. Uh, Cedia hired a new VP of Marketing, Communications, and Research. Uh, her name is Melissa Getchi. She is, as I said, the the new VP of Marketing. She's got 20 years of experience uh, across a, a variety of uh, verticals, I would say, um, in, in the marketing space. Jason, let's, let's chat for a second. And, and we're going to be real. <laughs> it's one of the big complaints that you hear about CD a lot from, from integrators is that communication is tough. And, and we'll kind of leave it at that. I'm, I'm not going to dig too deep into that. But communication seems to be tough. The The manner in which communication goes in and comes out, it seems to be a challenge for a lot of integrators uh, at times. What does bringing in um, Melissa, specifically someone with her pedigree, but also someone who is, who's not in the industry? I, I, I think that's a good thing. I'd like to hear your thoughts on it. Yeah, no, I would agree. And all the things that I've heard about Melissa is that she's highly qualified and fantastic. So I'm really looking forward to working with her. And I agree with you. It's a great thing that they brought in somebody with a clean slate who can look at the market with the fresh eyes and maybe say, why aren't we doing this? Or why haven't we tried that? And, you know, CDA does a lot of really, really good things for the industry. And I think a lot of integrators don't know a lot of these really good things that they do for the industry. And, and it's a matter of getting that message out, but also being open up to, to their input. And from what I've heard, working for an association is really difficult. You have 2000 bosses, you know, and one person calls and complains about something and, and you have to cater to the whims or the needs of that particular member. And so it's not an easy job, that's for sure. And I look forward to working with her on it. Yeah, I know in, in my time of, of working with CD on a volunteer side, it, 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 that did seem to be one of the, the frustrations and one of the confusing things is, you know, and, and I dealt with it. Um, you, what you'd get harassed about from one member 
was something that you were getting praised about by a different member. What are the, if you were to pick like two key things that, that you hope to see improve, what would it be? I'm going to send this to her as a, like a, a primer. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know, I think one of the things that, that CDA doesn't do enough is tout what their members do. And they've just started doing this. And I know I've had conversations with Ed Wink about this and, and the projects that, that yeah. the members do out in the field. And unfortunately, all the stuff that gets to the press is the six figure over the top one for the celebrity type stuff. Those are fantastic jobs, but we know what's happened during the pandemic of how many integrators who were all deemed essential workers for a reason yeah. who were vital in going in and bringing home networks to um, people all across the country, all across Canada, obviously too. And that's an important role that kind of just was, I don't think anybody in the industry, anybody outside of the industry knows that this industry yeah. was the provider of. So that, that would be a great message to get out. And um, I think also maybe just some of the operational stuff. I know it's very frustrating for CE Pro. We write articles about specific business management tips, sales and marketing tips, operational hiring, firing, uh, human resources, really, really good stuff. And those things do not get read as much as the item about the widget that goes behind the TV on the mount. Uh, those will get three yep. times the, the rate. So it is a very tech centric industry, but I hope that she'll be able to open up uh, the eyes to the members of how important it is about these management and, and operational um, tactics that CD can provide to them. Yeah. Um, I'm in total agreement on that. I, I will say the, as cool as those, those large projects are, they're not the, the bread and butter, what the industry does. And I as well would love to see more highlighting, I guess, of some of the day-to-day -day projects where, where something cool was done. And, you know, if you follow uh, a wide variety of people on Instagram in the business, I'm always seeing something where I go, oh, that, I never thought of that. That is awesome. I'm going to totally steal that and take credit for it. Um, you know, the interesting thing is, you know, a smaller company, probably gets more out of Cedia than maybe a larger company does yeah. um, when they're just getting their, their feet on the ground and they're looking for that, that key peer-to-peer -peer operational advice. So there's got to be a way, I think, for Cedia to grow with the companies and as they get larger, because the, the, the disgruntled uh, members that I hear from are usually larger companies, not the one or two man shops who I think really, really rely on Cedia as a vital resource. Yeah, I agree. All right, Jason, let's uh, move on to a story that comes to us from CE Pro. You might have heard of it. Uh, top five home tech trends for 2021. Resi Mercer Solutions that resolve UC and home recording demand seem to be up there in the top. This is a really good article from our friend Bob Archer over at CE Pro with you. One of the things that I found interesting about this and, and, and continue to find interesting about this is the number of products that come into the work from home environment that are hardcore commercial, you still have, and uh, we, we always will, but you still have a, a wide variety of people who are sitting, doing an interview without a microphone, without any decent lighting, 
uh, holding their laptop and, and getting a, a wonderful shot. If, if you're just listening to this, it's, you know, that, that up the nose shot um, that everyone loves from, from working on a, on a laptop. But what do integrators that don't, that either don't flirt with commercial or don't have a, a background at all in commercial, how do they, how do they learn and adapt to, to, to work in and provide work from home solutions with some of the proper solutions? How, how do you make that, that jump? Well, for one, an integrator usually isn't going to delve into the category unless he gets demand. And guess yeah. what? The demand is there. And, you know, I was in anticipation of this. I just kind of pulled together. Bob had done another piece, just itemizing the work from home combination video microphone, uh, unified communications collaboration systems that had come out for integrators to bring to the home market. And mm -hmm. I have gotten emails and phone calls from integrators asking for what's a list of the options and solutions. But some of these companies, I'm gonna just rattle them off real quick and their solutions, you know, besides the Crestron and Savant, of course, that have come out with these work from home solutions, but we have, you know, Barco ClickShare, Biamp, Devio, ClearOne, Aura, Clock Audio, D10, Key Digital, Logitech, Switch, MXL, Nareva, Phoenix Audio, Poly, Work From Home, and Yamaha. Mm -hmm. All of them now have targeted work from home solutions. And I bet you a lot of guys who are listening to this, who are just resi guys, probably haven't heard of some of those companies. But now here's a whole influx of new manufacturers that are targeting you, the residential integrator, to provide these work from home solutions for your customer base. So if there's ever a time for you to look at it, it's, it's now. And the other thing I like about it, as I just mentioned, it introduces you to a new manufacturer and new solutions that possibly might fit your, your, um, your need. Now, of course, that's not discounting Crestron and Savant and the others who are, who are you know, old school in the industry have come up with with uh, great solutions for work from home, but there's, it just shows you it's driven by demand. One of the things that I find surprising about it is I, I always, I, I kind of get the same response that you get where you'll hear from an editor. Hey, I heard about this thing. I know nothing about it. Where do I find more information? Whose job is it to, is it the integrator's job to try to, dig through all of this because it, it, it's not like going from, you know, basic remote systems to whole home remote systems, automation systems that that's in that lane. This can be a completely different realm. Is it, is it the dealer's job to, to really try and figure this out is like, where's the onus on suppliers and, and distributors to, to help guide integrators into this? Now, absolutely, they can help guide, but I think it is ultimately the integrator's role. And I can count on uh, one finger the number of integrators I know that have a person in their company who's called a chief technologist. Mm -hmm. And this that person's responsibility within the company is just to seek out these new solutions and do the evaluation process. And it's tough. You know, integrators, we just mentioned all the operational things. They're, they're HR guys. They're their service people, their um, their confidants for their for their employees, their schedulers, their collectors of money, their um, in, you know their 
financial guys, they are wearing so many different hats. It's tough. And um, this should be the fun part though. You know, this is, this should be the the part that they enjoy the most is digging into these new technologies and bringing them to their customer base. But it's, you know, there's only 24 hours in a day, unfortunately, for a lot of these integrators. One of the other things that, that Bob touches on is recording studios and how there is an uptick. And, and I don't want this to get, I don't want people to instantly disconnect because no, recording studios are not the normal thing that gets asked for. But there are more and more people that are, that are playing with music and digging into things. Is this one of those similar situations, just like work from home where there's a lot of opportunity, but to me, it's an interesting business decision. Is this one of those things that integrators should kind of try to dive into without a lot of quote unquote demand, right? Or is this something where you can add it once you get asked for it? It's definitely a niche. I mean, I would put, when you talk about Resi Marshall, and I know people are probably uh, tired of CE Pro kind of pounding this term down their throats, but we, we kind of came up with this thought of what do we, how do we call this market? And there's so many different prongs to it. There's the home recording studio, like we just talked about. There's the bringing these commercially oriented um, telecom unified communication systems into the home for the home office. There is the MDU with a common space and an MDU that has um, really run like a commercial project. So there's a lot of prongs to this resi space. So I would, I'd put that home recording studio in the same with, way that I just put in those other ones. It's a niche market. Um, it's going to be a smaller niche market than those other ones. Certainly home offices are, are going to be the biggie. Um, if you're into MDUs or you're in a place where you can do MDUs, then you're going to do MDUs. But if you're not, then that's a niche you would go into just like you would go into home recording studios. But we just did a piece um, about the bass player, uh, Ricky Phillips for Sticks, mm-hmm. who Sticks is not on touring anymore. And so now they've created this stick sticks lounge that has a million followers. And he realized every, all of his gear at home stunk. So he had to upgrade <laughs> his video. He got a you know, multiple multi-camera microphone set up. So obviously that's at the sticks level, professional musician level. Um, but I, I think somebody told me I'm, I'm not a uh, Billy Eilish um, follower, yeah. but her, her, um, album was recorded in her brother's bedroom yeah you know on a home recording setup so well and it's 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 crazy because i've done a fair amount of work in the 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 mastering aspect of recording studios We, we never built a lot of recording studios but we built a lot of mastering rooms for broadcast and it's they're done exactly the same way but when we were doing that in the early 2000s the, the big press piece, and I'm, I'm going to date myself minorly, depending on your music tastes, but Linkin Park recorded um, their Theory album on their tour bus with Pro Tools on a laptop. And it was the f- one of the first major records to be completely recorded, not in a studio. I hope the bus was parked. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I should dig into that, but Interesting. It's, it's very, um, 
it, it's very interesting how that industry has shifted. And there's, there's tons of EDM artists who don't mix on a plane wearing headphones. And you can do a lot without having a, a, a real studio. So there's, there's definitely a market there. Jason, let's, let's move on to our, our last story of the day. This also comes to us from CE Pro. I, th- I think you wrote this one. Um, which major metros are primed for active remodeling spending in 2021? Uh, you're listing essentially Oklahoma City, San Antonio, Tucson, Charlotte, Phoenix, uh, top the list that are going to see the highest gains and surprising most likely no one. New York City, Denver, Boston, and San Jose are all expected to have declines in remodeling scheduling spending. <clears throat> Jason, in, in digging through these numbers and, and definitely go read the article, we can fairly accurately tie um, home technology projects to renovation spending. How do dealers best take advantage of those expected gains, hopefully in their, their home markets? Yeah, I think it, we've been hitting on the the, uh, the subject already, and it's primarily, I think, work from home, home office is the lead. Um, you know, the network was this invisible thing that nobody cared about. And, uh, you know, I can tell you, we upgraded the network here in my home once my both my daughters were from home and I'm working from home um, most of the most days. Everybody's in the same boat. And I think the integrator can now confidently lead with the network um, from a network solutions standpoint, this invisible thing that nobody saw before. Um, but think about all the other areas that, we, that have been also amplified, outdoor entertainment, mm-hmm. home theater, listening, all these areas have grown because of the pandemic. So uh, obviously it depends on what your, your market is, but I think it's no surprise when you see Boston, Denver, San Jose, and New York on that list of declines because of what you read about that people now realize they don't have to live in expensive San Francisco or San Jose, expensive New York City, and they can work from home and have a better lifestyle, um, you know, in the suburbs somewhere. And uh, I, I would expect that trend to continue for a while. I saw a thing the other day. 59% 59% of executives don't believe that San Francisco, the city of San Francisco, will return, quote unquote, to its previous uh, economic level. Wow. You know, we, we talked about this um, in the, the late summer, early fall of last year, that we were starting to see renovation spending go through the roof. We were starting to see projects taking off like crazy, especially in the U S with 2021 hitting kind of the way it has, and we're not seeing restrictions necessarily lifting for, for international travel uh, anytime soon. Do you think that is going to be a major aspect of this? That again, you have people who can't travel, who can't go on vacation, who can't spend that money in those ways that they normally would that are now going to dump that back into their home? Yeah, I think the longer it continues, the more people are are going to reinvest in their homes. I think one of the other things that's interesting, if you've seen, is the, the lumber issue, uh, the price of lumber. You know, if everybody goes to Home Depot and get, tries to get a two by four, you'll see it. So 
I think that's going to maybe put some brakes on the new home construction market a bit because how the housing is not just plain and simple. They're not going to be able to build as many if they can't get access to the lumber. Yeah. And um, so that's going to feed the renovation market even more so. So I would expect it to continue. Awesome. Well, Jason, thank you for putting up with me for this whole <laughs> this whole show by myself. I had no one else to break it up. Uh, if people want to connect with you and uh, learn more about CE Pro and find all those those great articles, where can they do that? Yeah, obviously they can go to cepro.com and uh, it's we do ask for a registration on the website. It's free, um, but you can register on the site. And then you can follow me on Twitter uh, at Jason W. Knott. Thanks again, Jason. It's so great to have you. Um, so I'm going to bring in my good friend, Mr. Tim Albright. He's the founder of AV Nation. We're going to, we've got a, a special side project for you today. How are you, Tim? I am well. How are you? Doing fantastic. So glad to see you. It's been, it's been a minute. It has. It has. So Tim, what, what I wanted to talk to you about today um, was if, in, in case anybody missed it, um, KBiz was on last week as well as the uh, International Builder Show, and they both kind of fell flat. They're, they're, they're combined. Is that the understatement of the year? So yes, far? so far. Yeah, so far. I mean, it's only uh, February, but yes. Yeah, uh, it doesn't feel like only February up here, but notwithstanding. Um, so KBiz and, uh, and IBS had their, their virtual show. Um, the education went off for the most part without a hitch. Uh, the trade show floor, unfortunately, did not. Um, I heard reports of a couple people getting in and being able to see some stuff and that a couple of the booths were, were fantastic and not like the traditional trade show booth, um, virtual experience that we've come to expect, but a really forward thinking, impressive, uh, opportunity for, for brands to connect, uh, until it didn't work at which point it didn't matter how fancy and cool it was because no one could get in. So Tim, a couple of the things that kind of came out of this in, in hindsight that, that I realized was outside of, I, I believe it was GE and a, and a couple other major uh, brands, they were able to spin a portion of their trade show experience into a separate platform uh, away from what um, the, the KBiz and, and the IBS platform was offering that was down. So I believe it was GE. Uh, moved to blue jeans, believe it or not, and had that experience there. But a wide variety and the majority of brands that were that were supposed to be exhibiting literally had nothing. They they didn't update social. They didn't update their websites. They didn't. They heck, some of them were still tweeting links to visit them. Um, yeah, he's shaking his head if you missed it. Um, but more importantly they didn't have a secondary repository available anywhere to get product information or anything like that. And, and I was on uh, AV trade talk with, with Katie Bennett um, last week talking about this briefly, but when you, when you saw that, when you were following that and saw how poorly executed, uh, obviously the show seemed to be, there, there was obviously an issue there. We don't know what it was. And I'm sure at some point, we will, but right now we don't. And that's, I don't want to beat a dead horse on that. But what does it mean for vendors who didn't have a backup plan? You and I have both exhibited um, 
at, at Infocom and ISC and, and Cedia. And we've seen the lineup of, of vendors at the local FedEx or Kinko's getting flyers printed because something didn't ship. Yep. Why is it that at trade shows, there doesn't seem to be any backup plan? How, how do vendors fix that? Well, there, there's, there's two things there and, there, and there's, I'll, I'll take the virtual one first and then we'll, we'll tackle the, the in-person one because uh, I'm naive enough to believe that at least in the, sometime in the next 12 months, we'll, we'll get together. Um, maybe not you and I, because no, you know, Canada won't let me in and America won't let you in. No, well, they'll let um, me so, <laughs> but I just can't come home. <laughs> you just can't. No, you just can't. Um, so the, from the virtual side, yeah, you have to have a backup plan and, and, and I'll tackle each one of those things in, in turn. First and foremost, you've got to streamline your communications internally. Uh, somebody somewhere should have told the social people, hey, um, all of those tweets that you scheduled, thanks for doing that. By the way, take them all down now um, because they're no good, right? Because the system is, is down. We cannot continue to send people there. Something internally should have been done there, and they should have had a backup plan for an alternative. So replace the tweets, replace this tweet with that tweet, sending them someplace else, whether that's Blue Jeans or Zoom or, or Teams or whatever, uh, even your own website, right? So, so create kind of a, a hidden page, a back-end page that has your stuff. Uh, it doesn't have to have everything. I understand you're, you're kind of not quite double doing the duty, but you are do, doubling up. Uh, but that's to protect yourself, not really to, to give the um, provider um, a, a safety net. You're giving yourself and, and your, your sales staff a safety net. Um, but then, you know, back up your, your assets, back up everything else like that. Um, and then, you know, I, I, you, I, I'm going to say something, but it, and sometimes this is impossible. Get into your platform as early as possible. Um, we have partnered with with Future and with uh, System Contractor News uh, on this will be our second uh, event, and we're, we're we're talking about doing a third one now. Um, those folks that are sponsors that have access to our our system, the system that we use, um, they can get in. I, I want to say it's a week or ten days beforehand to build their stuff and 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 to build their their virtual booths. That way, you, we can make sure that that it's working right that they can get in there and they can also create you know a, a duplicate site of that uh, if, if they want um but from the from the the, the in-person one there's a couple things though and, and you know this that so you've been around long enough you know that there are certain things that happen whether that's a supply chain whether that you know what the product just isn't quite ready right it, it's um not quite there the friday before infocom saying there's vaporware well, <laughs> I, I will say this, the, the manufacturers, when you and I first started going to Infocom uh, 15, 20 years ago, oh, absolutely. I mean, you, you couldn't, you, as the old saying, you couldn't swing a dead cat without hitting vaporware. They've done a really good job the last 10 years. Part of that, honestly, is because of commentary by you and me and, you know, um, various other people in the industry that have, have tried to, you know, help people speak to the fire and said, look, you said this is going to be out. It's 24 months later. We're no longer going to talk about this until you're shipping. Yep. Um, and so that's what's caused some of those last minute changes um, as opposed to, you know, cobbling something that looks like a gray box and putting it underneath glass and saying, yep, that's it over there. It, it does this, that, and the other. Um, they just say, look, you know, here's, here's the info sheet on it or whatever. Um, you know, we're not quite ready for it. Uh, the other option there, especially if it's a marquee product um, is to pull the, pull the um, uh, kind of pull the, the plug on it earlier. 
you know, give yourself a, an earlier deadline. Um, you know, Infocom now is, is the, the 27th through the 29th of, of um, October. Mm-hmm. Say, okay, by the end of September, manufacturer person, uh, if it's not ready to go, it ain't getting, you know, we're not, we're not, we're not planning on it, right? It's not going um, in the truck. Yeah, it's not going in the truck. It's not going in my booth. Um, if you happen to get it, well, cool, groovy. We'll, we'll buy a, a podium um, from, from, uh, from Freeman and stick it in the middle, you know? So let me, let me kind of change directions for a minute because coming out of this, it made me think of, and only because it failed. If it had gone off, I probably wouldn't have picked up on this. So thank you. Um, the way in which we've demoed things and promoted things has obviously changed. And in, mm-hmm. in residential, that showroom experience, you know, we can debate whether that's a positive or a negative or whether you should invest it or not for, for hours. But there's still a lot of things that when you demo them, if it can be experienced, it's much easier to sell. And you can, you can watch those budgets inflate the better the demo is. Not all the time, but you know, quite often. When I look at the way in which most integration companies pitch products and pitch solutions, it's pretty terrible. There's, there's a, a massive opportunity to improve. I don't necessarily think that most integration companies, especially in the residential world, can go into a full virtual experience. There, there's not a, the, the cost to do that is, is, is pretty big. And, and I will somewhat disagree with you, but go ahead. Okay, so the cost might be prohibitive. How about that? Might be. Um, but, but pre-show, we were talking about something that I saw, which was uh, Nissan Studio. And it, it, it's Nissan the car brand. And you can go log into their portal and they have a, a, a library of highly produced clips that, that explain to you, like you're standing in the dealership in front of the vehicle, how something in the car works or, or the features of the, the vehicle. They also have the opportunity, opportunity to do a live chat and do a live video conference with someone in, in a dealership or in their studio about a specific vehicle and they're booking them, you know, from 10 to five every day. That's obviously the, the, the far end of that experience, but you look at most integrators websites um, or, or digital tools. And for the most part, they're either using a PowerPoint slide deck on an iPad. Ooh, we can build this. We can build this. We can build this or they're using, forgive me, but some lackluster marketing materials from a manufacturer. What's the opportunity for integrators to advance that? How do you change that, that, that sales cycle to have a quality digital interaction? Or is it unattainable for most companies without knowing the platform that, that Nissan used. There's a couple things that are, that are in my brain from, from the past couple CDS to be frank in, in general or just right now. 
just in general, no, just okay. in general period, Perfect. dude, it's, it's, it's been a long day and you know, we're still in the middle of COVID. Um, so there, there's a couple of companies that do uh, a pretty decent job of doing inexpensive VR, right? And you don't have to have glasses. Um, and so part of that experience, and this is, again, this is just thinking outside the box and, and the things that are in my brain, um, getting your clients dimensions and, and getting some pictures from them and, and what it is they're trying to do and then creating a 3d rendering of their space. And let's pick on home theaters for a second, right? So create a home theater for them and in the 3d space that they can walk around virtually. Uh, and, and kind of, you know, you can walk them through it and you can see where the projector will go and where the seats will go and what the speakers are and this, that, and the other. Granted, it's not sitting through a, a, a space. It's not sitting in a showroom. You can't really listen to the speakers because it, they're, they're, you're confined by their speakers, whatever their speakers are. Mm-hmm. Um, they can't see the screen because again, it's whatever screen you got is whatever screen they've got. However, you can give them the sense of, of, of the, the space. And the other part is, is making it interactive, right? And, you know, um, giving them the opportunity to, to see and feel um, products, uh, doing little, little gift bags or gift bags or boxes or, or kind of the, the birch box version of, you know, light, light switches or, um, you know, remotes and this, that, and the other, where you ship it to them and you give them the opportunity to touch and feel it's returnable. And when you get it back, you do all the safety precautions and you, you sanitize it and all that jazz, but it, it gives them something physical and tactile to touch as you're talking to them, as you're walking through it with them. Right. So these are, are ways that you can kind of break through beyond this whole video conferencing thing and give them something more, almost like a fourth dimension uh, fourth dimensional experience with you as their, their advisor uh, and walking them through, you know, that sales process. Is that the, is that the direction that most companies should start focusing on is finding a way to do that, to, to create a one of a kind experience in the pre-sales situation? Cause yeah, it's, I, it's easy when you have a deposit yeah. to, to, to blow money on VR but when you've got heck, when you've got a client or a potential client that you don't know is a potential client yet, a random visitor to your website, how do you how do you go about showing that experience without knowing client dimensions, without knowing something to ship? I, I see what you're saying, and, and so that that goes back to the sales funnel, right? Uh, and in marketing, and, and so you 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 take them down this, this trail, this, this story, this journey. And at some point they're going to become interested enough in what you've got to sell or was that and the other to contact you, to send you an email, to say, Hey, can you give me a quote up until that point is what is, is if I'm understanding you right, that's what you're talking about. So you, you create generic ones or you take old ones in previous, you know, um, previous, uh, jobs that you've done and say, okay, this is an example. This is a 3D rendering of a job that we did six months ago or a year ago or two years ago. Um, do your own house, right? Do I mean, if you don't have any of those, do your own house in that, in the, you know, um, for the 3D stuff. Um, for the the physical, tactile, you know, giving them stuff, you're, you're not, right? So that you're going to have to entice them otherwise, uh, other ways. And you can do that anywhere from, you know, answering their questions and giving them content and giving them, um, the answers to questions and, and helping them along their journey 
to the point to where either they feel comfortable enough with you and your expertise level that again, they're going to click that, that call to action, that CTA to get a hold of you to find out more information, or you haven't really done a good enough job to entice them to, to, you know, to get their interest or they're going to go to somebody else's website. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. Right. Because then you've kind of saved yourself the trouble and the expense of the time to get them there. Right. You, your website and your social and, and all of these, these assets should get your potential clients to your CTA. And once the CTA is clicked and t- taken over, that's when you get a little bit more involved. That's when you get a little bit more invested. That's when you send the birch box, right? Um, and, and that's when you can, you can pre-qualify basically is what we're talking about up to the point of, of the CTA. Yeah, I love it. All right, thank you so much, Tim. I appreciate you taking the time. If people want to connect with you, learn more about Aviation, where can they do that? I have no idea. <laughs> uh, Aviation. Dot TV, or you can uh, LinkedIn and stuff. So, Excellent. Thank you so much, my friend. Uh, for myself, if you'd like to connect with me, you can find me on Twitter at Matt D. Scott and most other social platforms. But more importantly, please visit avnation.tv where you'll find this show as well as a wide variety of our other shows with all the verticals that we cover. When you visit the website, please take a moment to check out our supporters. We are extremely thankful for their support and ask that you check them out as well. Thanks again for watching. That's all the time we have for this episode of Resi Week. 